7 a.m. on the West Coast, 10 a.m. on the East Coast of America. Welcome back to normal time. You set your clocks ahead and everything is completely screwed up for me now because I get used to one time and now it's another. Anyway, it's 2 o'clock in London. It is 7.30 in Mumbai, India. And hello to all of our podcast listeners in Mumbai and across India. 11 p.m. in Kyoto, Japan. And in Malaysia, it's 5,000 B.C. I'm Jay Sheldon, and I'm not wearing pants. Hello, welcome in, and hello to Luna Amethyst. Yes, welcome back. So sorry I've been gone, says Luna. That's okay, we missed you, but it's great to have you back. As a matter of fact, Luna... I don't know if you saw this in our last stream, but I finally got my own copy of No Straight Roads uh, for uh, PlayStation and PS4. And also, a, I don't have it in the studio with me, but I showed it in our last stream, a great uh, keychain uh, that was made for us by a, uh, a fan in Japan, and a brilliant artist. And uh, check out our last stream. It's right in the beginning of the stream. So after tonight's show, you can go back. And time zone messed me up. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, we had we had a great time at a, a wonderful restaurant, Japanese restaurant, with uh, the game creator, uh, Juan, and uh, his lovely wife, and uh, Su Ling was there, and it was great. So we had a good time. Uh, wow, we got lots happening tonight, a ton of stuff happening tonight. Uh, and, of course, our book will be coming up at the end of the stream. We're doing Tom Sawyer, so we'll have that for you. And uh, what else? Oh, yes, I got to tell you, before we get into the Miko update and all that stuff, it's time for a J update. <laughs> we had the best Thai food tonight at uh, Mukata. Mukata Kwa Thai. And uh, it's in Subang, in SS15. I've seen it a thousand times. We just, it's always so busy. There was no parking. So <clears throat> it is a little tough to get there. But man, am I glad we made it. It was worth the wait. Now, there's a million Thai food restaurants in Malaysia. But everyone kind of, it's not authentic Thai food. I lived in Thailand for several months. I know, it's not a long time, but it's long enough to get used to really good Thai food. And I mean street Thai food, the good stuff. And in fact, I stayed with a friend's uh, family, and we ate at their house most times. So that's about as authentic Thai food as you can get. But anyway, Mukata, congratulations to you guys. You hit it spot on, 10 out of 10. Even the uh, Tom, the papaya salad, the fish sauce was just fishy enough. It was that good Thai fish sauce, and it was spicy and amazing. Their, uh, all their foods were absolutely incredible. And if you go there, if you're part of my Malaysian audience, um, do check out their uh, pork barbecue pork skewers. They were, I don't have a picture of it, but uh, this is the uh, pork basil combination and again the even the rice something as simple as rice but this is actually thai rice and there is a difference it was great totally authentic highly recommend it not easy to find parking or get there because it's very popular but uh, check it out uh, mukata in uh, in ss15 brilliant i didn't get paid for this i didn't get free food 
but uh, it's great. Uh, Luna says, going to try ramen for the first time today. Really? Well, good luck with that. I think you'll love it. If, you, if you're going to try ramen, try and find it that has from, from kind of an authentic Japanese restaurant if you can. Uh, you can get the homemade ramen, you know, noodles and put it in the boiling water and stuff, and that's fine. But if you really want to know the difference between Japanese ramen and ramen ramen, try out a nice Japanese restaurant. There's a couple here in Malaysia that do... Now, when you try authentic Japanese ramen, suddenly you wonder, what was I eating all those years? So anyway, the first time ever you've never tried ramen before. Wow. Well, good luck with that. <laughs> All right, let's get on to it. Miko update. <laughs> me, 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 Miko update. She is great. Uh, she's doing really well. She followed me upstairs, but she didn't come in the studio. So sorry, I, I can't get her on the show. She's been very nose in the air about coming on the show lately. So she's had a bit of an attitude. But uh, anyway, uh, she's doing wonderful. No problems uh, eating well. Uh, went for a nice long walk today, met some friends, and uh, yeah, she's doing very, very well. <laughs> Luna says, I missed her. Yeah, indeed, I know, I know. Uh, so she's probably sleeping in the aircon in the other room right now, so that's uh, usually where she hangs out when I'm on the air. So uh, Miko's doing very well. By the way, uh, Juan's wife is Japanese, right? And uh, so I asked her, because I've always wanted to ask, an actual Japanese person. We named Miko her full name legally, her, you know, on her MKC, whatever, AKC paperwork is Ichiko Mikoto. And we call her Miko, Mikoto. Uh, so I always, I, I, I researched it, I looked it up, I checked it out, and it seemed like it was a proper name. And she authenticated the name for me. So thank you very much. It is great to know that the name Ichiko Mikoto actually is a legit Japanese name and a pretty good one too. It's unusual, Ray said. So it's not a normal Japanese name. You wouldn't find many people called Ichiko Mikoto. However, it is a proper Japanese name. So good news. <laughs> I was not wasting my time, you see? <laughs> All right. Uh, before we get into everything, including gorillas and chopsticks, which we are going to talk about tonight, trust me, some of the uh, stories we got tonight, you won't believe it. But a, a friend of mine uh, shared this, and I just I saw it last minute before I was about to go on. So there's no link in the show notes for this, but it's very, it's very cool. Why do couples fight? Uh, they are lovely. You're exactly right. They are amazing people. Thanks, uh, Luna. You're you're absolutely right. They are such a down-to-earth, good people. You know what I mean? You know when you meet somebody, you just know they're good people? Well, both Juan and his wife are exactly, uh, exactly that. They are good people. All right. Why do couples fight? And this is a, a great list. You could probably read ahead if you want to. My wife sat on, on the couch next to me as I was flipping channels. She said, what's on TV? I said, dust. And then the fight started. <laughs> uh, I got home last night. My wife demanded that I take her someplace expensive. So I took her to the petrol station. And then the fight started. Uh, I asked my wife, where do you want to go for our anniversary? 
It warmed my heart to see her melting in sweet appreciation. Somewhere I haven't been in a long time. So I took her to my parents' house. <laughs> and then the fight started. Yeah. Uh, my wife was hinting about what she wanted for our anniversary. She said, I want something shiny that goes from zero to 100 in three seconds. So I bought her a weighing scale. And then the fight started. <laughs> You know, it's like the, you might be a redneck. Uh, finally, my wife was standing and looking at the bedroom mirror, and she wasn't happy with what she saw. She said to me, I feel horrible. I look old, fat. I look ugly. I really need you to give me a compliment. And I replied, your eyesight is perfect. <laughs> and then the fight started. Yeah. <laughs> Man. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. Dad jokes. I know. Oh, man. I can't decide which one to start with, top ticks or gorillas. Uh, Luna says, hung out with them on the stream. Juan actually showed my Tatiana and Cliff cosplays on stream. Cool. Excellent. All right. I'm going to start with the gorillas because it just goes from one absurdity to the next. And, uh, Welcome to Malaysia. Even if you're not from Malaysia, you will find these stories unusual. <laughs> uh, netizens have paid uh, tip of the hats to some officers who decided to take care of a monkey problem in the most creative way I think I've ever heard of. This is a true story. There's video of this. Uh, we have monkeys in Malaysia. Now, I love monkeys. And to me, I've said this before, I'll say it again. Living in a country where monkeys are natural and common and you see them all the time, it's so cool to me. It's the it's one thing I haven't yet gotten used to. You know, I mean, it's been 20 years I've lived in this amazing country. But I still freak out every time I see wild monkeys. And we have some right here in, in my area. But they can be a nuisance. They really can. They can break into your house. They'll steal your stuff. Uh, they'll, if you're out and there's a pack of them, they'll come up, grab your handphone or your purse and take off running. Um, they are a problem sometimes. And these officers, and again, this is a, the link is in our show notes. It's from a site called Lobak Mira. Uh, but I've translated it into English. If you just right-click on your browser, usually you'll have an option there to translate to English. And they work. it works pretty well. Anyway, uh, you can see here what these officers did to try and get rid of the monkeys. Yes, they actually dressed up in gorilla suits. <laughs> these are the officers. Look at this. Check it out. So they've got, they got the, there's a video here somewhere. You see a monkey over there, but this, this is a real monkey. And then these guys came wobbling down in full gorilla outfits to scare the monkeys away. Uh, when it's, uh, if always you're trying to do the monkey comes firecrackers, a big tiger statue, uh, elastic rock. Uh, all those ways are common that people do, but the trick from these officers uh, apparently has never been tried before, and it worked. Yeah, real monkey business. You're right, Luna. Um, according to a recent viral post, two officers were recorded posing as gorillas, 
to repel the monkeys from the house. Here's the actual video footage of this. Check this out. You'll see them come come out of the There's the monkeys over there. You see them hanging around. There you go. See, look at that. They're all running, scurry. Look at this. Here come the gorillas. And the monkeys are hightailing it out of there. There they go, running away. There goes another one. There's another one up there. And these guys come down. <laughs> okay, gorillas don't have tails, but I don't think the monkeys really cared. But this is so cool. And it worked. There's like a 31-minute video that was shared on Facebook. Uh, and it's been re-uploaded to TikTok also. And uh, <laughs> it's absolutely amazing. Um Let's see. In the comments section, netizens applauded the actions of the officers who were willing to wear gorilla suits to get rid of the monkeys. <laughs> Congratulations. Nice job. Every now and then takes a little thought, but uh, <laughs> very cool story. Nice. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, some real monkey business. Gorillas. Yeah. So we, we promised you gorillas and chopsticks. Well, we got the chopsticks part. This is from our good friends at World of Buzz. And yes, the link is in our show notes. You'll find it there. You can read the whole article. It's one of those head slammer. Why the hell do these people? I mean, we know why. Because they want the attention. They're not really offended. They're not. They're just trying to get attention. Frankly, I don't know why we cover it, because we're just giving them what they want, but so it goes. A local actor has politely responded to comments claiming that using chopsticks is haram for Muslims. Now, haram means, like, forbidden or against their religion. Um, yeah, the usage of chopsticks has nothing to do with faith or religion. It is cultural. That is all. Uh, regardless of race or ethnicity, a chopstick is one of the pieces of a utensil that is usually seen at the dining table, particularly here in Malaysia. The uses of chopsticks, simply a culture that has been practiced for six to 9,000 years. Uh, some people are still confused. I think you could replace confused with just freaking stupid. Anyway, they relate the use of chopsticks with religion, which it totally is not. A local Chinese Muslim actor, Adam Corey, shared a live stream of him during a Chinese Muslim restaurant in Wangsamaju in KL and seen using chopsticks. Well, that didn't sit well with some of these fools who claimed the usage of chopsticks is not permitted. Well, uh, it's good to recite prayers before you eat, but the use of chopsticks is haram for Muslims. Yeah, not true. Uh, Adam wasn't offended. He didn't take the comment seriously. Good job, Adam. Uh, he politely responded to the person and assured him that as a Chinese Muslim, he had referred to the opinions and advice from multiple ustas years before. And there is the actual chit-chat back and forth in Malay, so if you're not from Malaysia, you probably can't read it. But uh, the usage of chopsticks is allowed because they are just like any other utensil. That's like saying using a knife and fork would be against Christianity or something. It's just that stupid. Uh, spoon, knife, and fork. It has nothing to do with faith 
or religion. The comments gained attention of others, mostly slammed him for simply labeling the uses of chopsticks as haram. And uh, off you go. <laughs> Where did you study religion? In a cave? <laughs> anyway, congratulations, Adam. Thank you for defending yourself. Thank you for being polite. And to those people who are just so stupid, you have to stick your nose in places where it doesn't belong. Shut up and sit down. All right. Luna, she says, I wanted to try using chopsticks. You must. Oh, you must. I, I'm very good at chopsticks. I always have been, even before I moved to Malaysia. But the weird thing is, is that I'm left-handed. So yes, I use my chopsticks with my left hand, which it's weird enough to see the guaylo, the matzale, using chopsticks. But then also to see him using them left-handed, people are always pointing at me in restaurants and going, oh, look, talk behind my back. What I really love is when they talk in either Cantonese or Malay and think, I don't understand them. And they don't know how much Cantonese or Malay I actually do understand. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's hell to get old. Mm. Miko merchandise. Sorry, I was taking a coffee break. Anyway, if you would like to pick up some Miko merchandise, you can see it's got our show, uh, show logo on it. And on the other side is Miko. And we've got coffee mugs, mouse pads, hats, ball caps, T-shirts, uh, hoodies, all kinds of cool stuff. You'll find it at the top link in our show notes. And that is to our, our show merch, which we call Miko merch because everything features Miko. So, uh, Luna, I'm only fluent in English. Nice to be here again. It is nice to have you along for the ride. You are the most talkative, active chatter I ever have on this stream. It's okay. Don't stop. We love it. <laughs> I'll get to you eventually if I miss your chats, but for the most part, I'll, uh, I'll see them when they pop up. All right. What else we got? We got middle age in a nutshell. Yeah. As people slowly uh, get older, they can relate to this. So if you are... I don't know. What would you consider middle age? Now, I'm in my 60s. Yeah, I know. I'm that old. Uh, so to me, I think to me, middle-aged is probably around 40. Probably starts about 40. So if you're 40 plus, this you can relate to this. Middle age in a nutshell. <laughs> These are great. You'll find a link to this post in our show notes tonight. Who cares if it looks good? I'm comfortable. <laughs> Has anybody seen my phone? Often you say that when you're holding it in your hand. Uh, stupid scale. That can't be right. Yeah, middle age. Shoot, did I already take my vitamin? I do that almost every day. I have a routine in the morning. I take uh, a overdose of vitamin D, especially recently for obvious reasons. And I have a tincture of lingsa, a mushroom tincture that I made. And uh, I take a, a little teaspoon of, or a little dropper of that uh, every morning, with just before my coffee and breakfast and everything. So, um, yeah, I can relate to the first one and five and six. <laughs> um, anyway, almost every day, it's it's my age. I know it is. I have to stop and think, did I take my vitamins today? 
I, I seriously, I have to try and remember. One day bleeds into the next. Uh, let's see, number five. I wonder how I got this bruise. Mmm, that's a big one. Uh, let's see, five bucks for a box of cereal. They raised the price and shrunk the box. Such a racket. Software update again? I don't like updates. We just went through that with Windows 11, right? So far, by the way, Windows 11's been pretty okay. I haven't had any issues, really. Uh, let's see. Who in the world is calling me at 9.30 at night? Mm, that's a big one. Uh, sorry, I forgot what I was going to say. Uh, I'm not so sure that's a middle-aged thing. I think that starts to eke in about 60. Uh, wait. I forgot what I was going to say. No. Uh, what did I come in here for? Yeah. You know, like you walk in the kitchen to do something and you get in the kitchen and suddenly you're like, why did I come in the kitchen? <laughs> oh man. I could have sworn that was my password. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I did the same thing. I actually have all my passwords saved in a secure folder but uh, I, I do that all the time because it, it, no doubt, I always, I, I'm on so many sites, so many passwords. I don't use one password for the same site anywhere. I have all different passwords. And uh, yeah, that's an issue when, when you get to be my age. Man. All right. What else have we got tonight? We got tons of weird stuff tonight. It's almost another one of those totally weird shows, except Chopsticks and Gorillas really did seem like the headline. Uh, you almost got conned out of 200 bucks? Ouch. That's 200 USD, by the way, which here would be like a thousand ringgit. Well, not really, but almost 800 and something ringgit. It's over four to one, as far as I know. Anyway, I'm glad it. Almost. Oh, crypto. <laughs> yeah. Don't believe all you read about crypto. All right. Chili sauce. We love our folks at chilisauce.my. You'll find a link to this in our uh, show notes tonight. And uh, they do some cool work over there at Chili Sauce. A hat tip to you guys. Who has more power in their own nation? The Queen of England or the Agong of Malaysia? Now, for those of you who are not from Malaysia, uh, Agong basically means the king. And in fact, this is the king. This is a picture of our current king. The king rotates every, I forget how many years. Is it four or seven? Something like that, five years. Anyway, there are uh, sultans for each state, each region. And the sultans of Malaysia rotate being the king for a term. And it rotates through all of them as it goes. Anyway, Chili Sauce did this rather cool article about who has more power over their own country, the Agong or the Queen of England. Being a part of the Commonwealth, it's only natural we share a lot of similarities with our former colonial masters, the British Empire. And that extends to the monarchy, which shares a lot of elements with the UK's own constitutional monarchy. There she is. Despite the two heads of state having similar roles and duties in their respective countries, there are a lot of cultural and constitutional differences that set them apart, which got Chili Sauce asking, what are those differences and how does it affect the dynamics of each monarch's rule over their countries? So what they've done is they've gone through and they've looked at the differences between the queen 
and the King of Malaysia. When it comes to civil and criminal matters, one crucial difference that sets the two apart, unlike the Agong, the Queen is immune against prosecution. You cannot prosecute the Queen for a crime. The Agong, however, could be prosecuted. Uh, it was the Constitution of Malaysia, drafted in 57. Uh, Malaysia is slightly older than I am, just by a few months. The Malay rulers possessed a similar level of legal immunity. Uh, the Constitution then read, No proceedings whatsoever shall be brought in any court against the ruler of a state in his personal capacity. But following the Gomez incident, they amended the Constitution in 1993 here in Malaysia, and a special court was created to hear, well, special civil or criminal matters relating to the Malay rulers. And the line, except in the special court, was added to the article above. So theoretically, yes, a Malay ruler could be tried in the special court, but even then, only with the consent of the Attorney General. There's a little layout. It's a fascinating article that talks about all the differences, the military, uh, secession of the throne. Uh, it's a really, really cool. It's well worth a read. So do check it out. The link's in our show notes. It's from chilisauce.my. And um, anyway, very cool article on who has more power over their country, the Queen of England or the Agong of Malaysia. Check that out. Nice job, chili sauce. All right. I got uh, one more to go here, and believe me, you don't want to miss this one. Two related stories, even though they don't know they're related. <laughs> uh, what's Luna saying? Oh, she almost got conned out of 200 bucks because of crypto. Someone tried to get me to buy it. Luckily, I got my money back. Yeah, like I said, don't mess with that crypto stuff. In fact, I, you know what? We'll do that on another show. Trust me. Stick with good old hard cash. Can't go wrong. And the minute that idiot government in the U.S. starts to try and switch you off of the cash, a little bell should go off. And if you need an example of what I'm talking about, Canada in the last couple months. We'll go into that on another show. All right, check this one out. We have some strange customs in Malaysia. Uh, even after all this time, 20 over years in Malaysia, I'm still not used to this one. In the U.S., when women have babies, they could go in in the morning and pump out a kid, and by 3 o'clock in the afternoon, they'd be right back at work again, doing whatever it is they do for a living. Here in Malaysia and other Asian countries, they have a thing called confinement. I don't understand it. I don't want to understand it. I think it's weird. I think it's unnecessary. I think it's just so much bull stuff. But people are so stuck in their ways that they think if you don't do this, the world is going to fall apart. Everybody's going to die. It's confined. It's like 30 days or something after a woman gives birth where they bring in this 
birthing mom, not the one that helps out with the birth, that kind of thing, although she might. But they take care of the, the mother. The mother stays in bed. You got to eat all special meals and everything. Like I said, in the U.S., back when I was living there, kid, a woman could have a baby at 9 o'clock in the morning, run out to McDonald's for lunch at noon, and head back to the office at 3. Okay, it's probably not exactly like that, but it's close. A pregnant Malaysian woman gives a special gift to her husband as a reward for her upcoming confinement. She is pregnant. She's going to go into this confinement lockdown for like whatever it is, 30 days. And so she felt bad for her husband. She bought him a little gift, which is a nice thing to do until you find out that the little gift is a $2 million Lamborghini. Yeah, I kid you not. Pre look at this headline. This is from what? MalayMail.com. Uh, pregnant Malaysian wife gifts her husband a 2 million ringgit Lamborghini as a reward for her upcoming confinement. And there she is, and there he is, blindfolded with a mask. And there's his new $2 million baby blue Lambo. She's a cosmetics entrepreneur, and believe me, I'm in the wrong business. I should be selling cosmetics. There are like 500 cosmetic entrepreneurs in this bloody country. And they're billionaires. Do we wear that much makeup? Anyway, she bought her husband a lavish sports car in exchange for his attention and assistance when their baby is born. She posted it on TikTok. Most expectant moms tend to have an exhaustive list of items and chores to be completed before the little one arrives. But one Kalantanese woman took things to the next level, splurging on a two million ringgit Lamborghini as a gift for her husband. Mom-to-be Anes Ayuni Osman, 19 years old and can afford a two million ringgit Lamborghini. It gets better. Just stay with me. She surprised her husband at a local car dealership on, in KL on Friday, where she presented him with a Huracan Evo model in turquoise. She documented it on TikTok. The thing is, in the TikTok video, and I don't know if the video is actually in this story. There's a link to it. I don't want to go to TikTok because I, I don't trust TikTok. But anyway, um, she drove up to the dealership in her own yellow Lamborghini. I think that's what the car was she got out of. I'm almost sure of it. So the, the video shows, in fact, there you can see the little edge of it. Let me get my mouse back. There you go. You see right there behind the guy? This is another Lambo that she was driving when she brought her blindfolded husband to the dealership to give him his present of another two million ringgit Lamborghini. Yeah. All right. Now, not to be outdone, and strangely enough in my timeline, right below this story was this story. Malaysian journalist shares 
why we are going bankrupt from buying cars. <laughs> I kid you not. Uh, what a great piece of... It's not serendipity. I don't know. It's just weird. The thing about this woman who buys her husband a two million ringgit Lambo, followed by this from World of Buzz, links in the show notes. <sighs> Taking to Twitter... This guy shares reasons behind why Malaysians are going bankrupt on automobile debt, stating that when it comes to cars, we tend to overspend. You think? Sharing his opinion from the perspective of a motoring journalist, he writes, One of the things I noticed most about Malaysians is that with our cars, we overspend. Hmm. Take this example. If your salary is 2,000 ringgit, you'll spend 603 ringgit a month with 10% down payment. That's 30% of your salary. As a motoring journalist, one of the things I notice, okay, here's the actual post. And that is why most Malaysians will go bankrupt on an automobile debt. Incredible. The tweet, which is aimed at car salespeople who are advertising her car, aimed at those with an income of 1900 to 2000 a month. He said that because of this, Malaysians risk bankruptcy. In his thread, he advised Malaysians to strive not to spend more than 10% of your salary on a car. This quote from the article, a friend of mine could have easily afforded a Mercedes-Benz based on credit and income, but bought an X70 instead. You know what's really cool is the X70 and the X50. They're very cool local cars. Anyway, read the article, especially if you're in Malaysia, but no matter where you are, those percentages apply to you if you're in the U.S., wherever you might be, uh, on how much you should spend on your car. I know we all want to have a Lamborghini, but very few people can afford a Lamborghini. And even if you think you can, you likely can't. You really ought to think about that because what happens is a lot of people wind up just like this, bankrupt, all for the sake of driving a flashy car. It ain't worth it, folks. It really ain't worth it. All right, what else? Why am I so shifted tonight? I don't know how I get over here. Okay, what else have we got? Oh, man, I think we need to get onto our car. Oh, by the way, uh, blueberries. Uh, yeah, obviously you people are smart enough not to uh, not to follow the bots who constantly post in my live stream. I don't have mods, so you just have to live with it. But I know my audience is smart enough to ignore them. So there you go. All right, we're going to move on and over to Tom Sawyer. That's the classic book we have been reading for the last uh, several streams because it's a very long book. In fact, I think we're at chapter 28 tonight. And uh, it was originally written back in 1876 by the amazing Mark Twain. It's been quite an adventure. Uh, all of our books come from the good folks at the Gutenberg Project. That's gutenberg.org. You will also find that link in our show notes. And you can check it out. It's free. And they're all public domain books, including this one we've been reading on our stream, The Adventures of 
Tom Sawyer. <clears throat> One word of uh, advice, warning, whatever it is. Some of the words, because this was written in 1876, uh, while appropriate at the time, are today considered vulgar and not appropriate. Uh, we are, however, reading exactly what is written on the page the way Mark Twain wrote it in 1876. That includes some offensive words, including, in fact, the N-word is used in this book. If that sort of thing offends you, you might just want to move on for the next 15 minutes or so and find something else to do. But we're reading the book the way it was written. All right. So, having said that, let us pop up the book and begin chapter 28 in the adventures of Tom Sawyer. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> that night, Tom and Huck were ready for their adventure. They hung about the neighborhood of the tavern until after nine, one watching the alley at a distance and the other the tavern door. Nobody entered the alley or left it. Nobody resembling the Spaniard entered or left the tavern door. The night promised to be a fair one. So Tom went home with the understanding that if a considerable degree of darkness came on, Huck was to come and meow, whereupon he would slip out and try the keys. But the night remained clear, and Huck closed his watch and retired to bed in an empty sugar hogshead about twelve. Tuesday, the boys had the same ill luck. Also Wednesday, but Thursday night, promised better. Tom slipped out in good season with his aunt's old tin lantern and a large towel to blindfold it with. He'd hid the lantern in Huck's sugar hogshead, and the watch began. An hour before midnight, the tavern closed up, and its lights, the only ones thereabouts, were put out. No Spaniard been seen. Nobody had entered or left the alley. Everything was auspicious. The blackness of darkness reigned. The perfect stillness was interrupted only by occasional mutterings of distant thunder. Tom got his lantern, lit it in the hogshead, wrapped it in closely in the towel, and the two adventurers crept in the gloom towards the tavern. Huck stood sentry, and Tom felt his way into the alley. Then... There was a season of waiting anxiety that waited upon Huck's spirit like a mountain. He began to wish he could see a flash from the lantern. It would frighten him, but it would at least tell him Tom was yet alive. It seemed hours since Tom had disappeared. Surely he must have fainted. Maybe he was dead. Maybe his heart had burst under terror and excitement. In his uneasiness... Huck found himself drawing closer and closer to the alley, fearing all sorts of dreadful things and momentarily expecting some catastrophe to happen that would take away his breath. There wasn't much to take away, for it seemed he seemed only able to exhale it by thimblefuls, and his heart would soon wear itself out the way it was beating. Suddenly, there was a flash of light, and Tom came tearing by him. Run, he said. Run for your life. He needn't have repeated it. Once 
was enough. Huck was making 30 or 40 miles an hour before the repetition was uttered. The boys never stopped until they reached the shed of a deserted slaughterhouse at the lower end of the village. Just as they got within its shelter, the storm burst and the rain poured down. As soon as Tom got his breath, he said, Huck, it was awful. I tried two of the keys just as soft as I could, but they seemed to make such a power of racket I couldn't hardly get my breath. I was so scared. They wouldn't turn in the lock either. Well, without noticing what I was doing, I took hold of the knob and open comes the door. It weren't locked. I hopped in, shook off the towel, and great Caesar's ghost. What? What'd you see, Tom? Huck, I almost stepped onto Injun Joe's hand. No. Yes, he was lying there, sound asleep on the floor, with his old eye patch on his eye and his arms spread out. Lordy, what'd you do? Did you wake him up? No, never budged. Drunk, I reckon. I just grabbed that towel and started. I'd never have thought of the towel, I bet. Well, I would. My aunt would make a mighty sick if I lost it. Say, Tom, did you see the box? Huck, I didn't wait to look around. I didn't see the box. I didn't see the cross. I didn't see nothing but two barrels and lots more bottles in the room. Don't you see now? What's the matter with that haunted room? How? Why, it's haunted with whiskey. Maybe all temperance taverns have got a haunted room, hey, Huck? Well, I reckon maybe that's so. Who'd have thought such a thing? But say, Tom, now's a mighty good time to get that box if Injun Joe's drunk. It is that. You try it. Huck shuddered. Well, uh, no, I, I reckon not. And I reckon not, Huck. Only one bottle alongside Injun Joe ain't enough. If there'd been three, he'd be drunk enough and I'd do it. There was a long pause for reflection. And then Tom said, Look here, Huck. Let's not try that thing anymore till we know Injun Joe's not in there. It's too scary. Now, if we watch every night, We'll be dead sure to see him go out sometime or t'other, and then we'll snatch that box quicker than lightning. Well, I'm agreed. I'll watch the whole night long, and I'll do it every night, too, if you'll do the other part of the job. All right, I will. All you got to do is trot up Hopper Street, blocking me out, and if I'm asleep, you throw some gravel at the window, and that'll fetch me. Agreed. Good as wheat. Now, Huck, the storm's over and I go home. I'll begin at daylight in a couple of hours. You go back and watch that long, will you? I said I would, Tom, and I will. I'll haunt that tavern every night for a year. I'll sleep all day and I'll stand watch all night. That's right. Now, where are you going to sleep? In Ben Rogers' hayloft. He lets me. So does his pap's nigger man, Uncle Jake. 
I tote water for Uncle Jake whenever he wants me to, and any time I ask him, he gives me a little something to eat if he can spare it. That's a mighty good nigger, Tom. He likes me because I don't ever act as if I was above him. Sometimes I'd sit right down and eat with him. But you needn't tell that. Body's got to do things when he's awful hungry, and he wouldn't want to do as a steady thing. Well, if I don't want you in the daytime, I'll let you sleep. I won't come bothering around. Anytime you see something's up in the night, just skip right around and meow. <laughs> and that's chapter 28. Coming up on our next stream, we'll continue with the lookout on Injun Joe in chapter 29. Wow. <laughs> I love this book. The Adventures of Tom Sawyer from the amazing Mark Twain. All right, my friends, thanks so much for popping by. Be sure, if uh, you haven't already, you subscribe on YouTube or Twitch or uh, Rumble.com. Also, Rumble is up here somewhere, the subscribe button. Just pop a click that. It's free, and it really helps me a lot. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. That includes our podcast listeners. Thank you so much. Be sure you like and share and subscribe to our podcast. Hundreds of you do that every week, and we really, really appreciate it. I'm Like I said, I'm totally amazed. We love you much. All right, I'll see you again on uh, Wednesday night. Until then, I'm Jay Sheldon, and I'm not wearing pants. Good night. <laughs> Yo.